I, I can tell you this. I would not be ordering yogurt on a DoorDash like my daughter does when there's a yogurt <laughs> store right down the Jesus. street that she can walk to. <laughs> Never done that as a kid. <laughs> not that it existed, but even the thought of it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Reese, it's right down the street. I'm What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of the It Girls podcast hosted by Mercury. And we are so excited to have a guest that I really don't even know yet. So I'm going to let Maddie Breswitz take the weight and introduce Miss Tracy Benford. Miss Tracy Benford, um, she and I talked in probably what October Tracy yeah I think that's right yeah um so Tracy is a partner at Goldman Sachs which we can get into a little bit more in the episode but there's about 400 to 450 partners if I read that correctly Um, and Goldman Sachs is a powerhouse in the financial institution world they have 50,000 employees so the fact that Tracy's in um the top top percent of that is insanely impressive um and on top of that she played basketball at northwestern won a big 10 championship um and she got her mba from stanford so we are so excited to have you on today and hear about your story and um you know z and i want to do this podcast to learn from winning women that was the whole thing like we just want women who know how to win and not only did you win in your college career in sports um which were kind of closer to that era of your life but you also won in your career so um, yeah, give us, uh, give us a little bit about you, Tracy. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you guys. Z and Maddie, it's great to be part of your podcast. And I think it's amazing what you guys are doing and, and the time is now for women in sports. So it's all yeah. good. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, um, as Maddie said, I've been at Goldman Sachs for 28 years, a partner there. Um, I was in what people call sales and trading, the institutional equity and fixed income markets covering largest some of our largest asset managers and hedge funds and pension endowments across the Midwest, Canada, and the Southwest. So I did that uh, in Chicago for all but one quick year, one quick uh, year in my career. I spent some time in New York, but, um, you know, I loved it and I've loved Goldman Sachs and, you know, it's much more women now than there was back when I started, but um, it's been a great place for me to grow and learn and you get challenged by amazing people, both men and women. Um, and it's really helped me become who, who I have become today. Um, you know, I grew up in a really small town in Southern Ohio and not far from Kentucky actually. And, um, and, uh, you know, I went to sort of a public high school in my hometown and not a lot of people left my town to go to college. And so it was just one of those things that I had sort of this chip would probably be a strong word chip on the shoulder, but really wanted to, get out of my hometown, not because it wasn't great. It was a great place to grow up, but just because I wanted to do something more and I wanted to get to a big city and Chicago was the closest big city I knew about. So <laughs> I, I headed that way. Go ahead, oh, well. um, And for those of you guys like that don't know finance that well, to give it like in layman's terms, like what Tracy did was like sales and trading. So I, the reason Tracy and I talked is because I was in sales and trading too. Um, and essentially it's like, uh, I'm trying to, do you have a good analogy for it, Tracy, for people who like have no idea about 
so, you know, most people have, maybe people have investments, they have a mutual fund, they have some sort of investments. In sales and trading, you're covering those clients that are managing money for large institutions or for large investors. And so, you know, it's basically, if you think about, um, I liken a little bit about a control tower situation. You've got all these computers, you've got all this information coming at you and you're trying to distill it and get it to the investors so they can make the right decisions or good decisions. You're also helping them think about um, trying to make, um, to meet the different parameters that they've promised to investors. This probably isn't layman's, is it? This is like- <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> He's like, what are you talking about? Oh um, goodness, here you go. Um, I, I don't know how it easily, it's really, it's, it's, first of all, it's really fun. It is uh, for anybody out there thinking about it, but it's it's really a fast paced. It's almost like being on a team, to be honest. It's really fast paced. Um, you're all sort of trying to be the best that you can be and cover your clients, but the goal is to all work together to help each other out. Um, and it's, you know, when you think about, I'm sure people look at the stock market and watch it, like we're in that every day. We're, we're talking about currencies every day, energy market every day, yeah, credit. Day. If a company wants to, this may be probably the easy example. If a company wants to go public, they want to do an IPO. Yeah. The way that that happens is our investment banking team will work with the client. They'll hire Goldman Sachs to take them public. And then in the sales and trading job, your job is to sell that company's stock to your client. So you're on the phone talking about, you know, all the characteristics of the company, all the financials of the company. And you're selling that stock to investors to purchase. Yep. And then there's all kinds of other products, but that's probably the simplest one that people are probably most familiar with. Agreed. Agreed. That was good. It's, it is a complicated area to be, but like I think the way you described it as like being a team, um, it is super fast paced, super intense. It's kind of like that old stereotypical, obviously it looks different, but like a big trading floor with like very collaborative yeah. environment. So, um, yeah, really cool space to be. I always feel like, um, and it happens more often than you could probably imagine, Tracy, where it's me, Maddie, and someone else that knows finance better than I do, like mil light years better than I do. And I'm like, what am I even doing in this conversation? Like, really, <laughs> it just becomes a two-person conversation. And I'm like a fly on the wall. But now I feel like being around Maddie like the past like two years and like I I know what public means and I know what that means and so yeah. I feel a little <laughs> bit better equipped to be a part of this conversation. Yeah. Um I feel less like a fly on the wall, so this is great. Well, well the good <laughs> news is and I am I don't want to demean myself or what Maddie's gonna do, but like it's not rocket science. Yeah. You know, like putting men on the moon. It is something that is super learnable and, and it's really fun. It's really fun. I mean we hire a ton of athletes because the pace is so fast. You have to be super disciplined in sales and trading or investment banking. Um, and you have to be able to work with people. And by the way, you have to realize that you're going to get constructive criticism and there's no one better than an athlete who understands like things are going to happen and things are going to go wrong. And people are trying to help you, not trying to make you feel like you're a failure. And yeah. a lot of non-athletes sometimes have a hard time when they make a mistake, like taking constructive criticism and then, moving on and knowing that everyone's there to help them, not to make them feel like they've made a mistake. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Z, don't discredit yourself. She's, she, uh, probably like two years ago, you know, didn't have any investments. Now she's got some investments, you know? Really? She, yeah. She's really, she's really come a long way in her, uh, financial journey. So. <laughs> yeah. Eddie Breslitz, I guess. Um, oh. 
Anyways, well, Tracy, you talked a little bit about growing up in a small town in Ohio and your parents are super blue collar. Me and Maddie grew up in a similar way, it sounds like. And we kind of talk about a lot how watching our parents work and do all the things that they do kind of instilled values in us that people around us don't have. So in what way did your upbringing shape you into you into who you are today? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I, I, I talk about this a lot because I have two kids now, 19 and 17, and they're growing up very differently than I did. And I worry about that because I grew up with a very strong work ethic. Um, my dad worked in a factory and he would work third shift because it paid like three times the hourly weight and uh, all these things. But the difference, I think, between uh, what they 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 worked to support a family. They didn't work for a career. And I'm not saying one's better than the other. It just was very different. Um, and they really, you know, when I wanted to play baseball, because I'm kind of old, but back then there wasn't t-ball, softball, t-ball. And so <laughs> they, I was the only girl in my, I said, I want to play, I want to play t-ball. And they're like, okay, we'll sign you up. They just always supported everything I wanted to do. My brother is not an athlete at all. He was in the marching band for his entire <laughs> high school. So, but they, they, they worked hard. They put their family first, which I may not always do that. I got to work on that. But they put their family first. And I don't think my parents ever missed a sporting event and ever missed my brother's marching band competitions. Like they were just there in every way, shape or form. And I think that kind of made me um, made me who I am in the sense that, you know, I, I just always felt that I was supported and someone had my back and, you know, and my dad used to always say something, you know, when I would say, well, we can't afford to do that. He's like, Tracy, if we need to do something, we'll do it. It's not like, you know, it's not going to break the bank. And they just instilled this idea that you work, you save, and there are more important things. And um, and I wish I could say I'd take that, translate it into my raising my children, who my daughter's not even talking to me right now. But um, <laughs> um, she literally just, I made her get out of this room. She's like, what? Um <laughs> So, uh, so I think it, it did really make me feel supported and that I could do anything I wanted to. And when it's a funny story on this t-ball team, we had a summer party at the end, a swimming party. And I came in a girl's swimming suit. And all the guys were like, oh, my God, she's a girl? <laughs> and like super, you know, like, and uh, that was the first time the boys on the team, my coach knew, obviously, but the boys on the team realized that I was not a boy. <laughs> um but you know, they, like I don't know how many parents would have done that back in you know the seventies, like yeah. and, you know, sign their daughter up to play boys. And I'm sure they had to talk to you know the t-ball organization and the coach, and so you know, I just always felt like whatever I wanted to do, I was going to be able to do it, regardless yeah. of money or location or schooling, and it it just it's still confident to me. Absolutely, yeah. that's Absolutely. yeah, that resonates so hard with me. And Izzy kind of touched on it. Like our families are similar to, I think how you grew up. Like I, we, I think we talked about this in our call, Tracy, yeah. but my parents are both teachers. So I, that's my whole family. I say is like a teacher or farmer. Those are like the two right. careers, the only two careers I knew growing up were teachers and farmers. Um, and so like seeing that every day, like, yeah, like we could afford things, but like everything that we were able to afford, like there was sacrifices with that. Like yeah. we never went on family vacations. I never saw the ocean till college. Um, and so like things like that, that I would not trade for the world. Like it's the reason that I'm went to Kentucky and everything else, but, um, same, same as you, Tracy, yeah. like I have aspirations to have a career. My parents had a career too, but, um, I think the same way, like when I have kids, how can I still use those values, but just right. like, you know, in a different way. So it's a great point. Yeah. 
I, I can tell you this. I would not be ordering yogurt on a DoorDash like my daughter does when there's a yogurt <laughs> store right down the Jesus. street that she can walk to. <laughs> Never done that as a kid. <laughs> not that it existed, but even the thought of it. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Reese, it's right down the street. <laughs> no we get that. So, we yeah. Get that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's blowing my mind. Yeah. I, I, oh, I, there's an Amazon package every day. I'm like, you know, that's not free, Reese, right? So that, that actually <laughs> is on our card. Is Reese hey, 19 or 17? She's 17. Oh, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. Did you, say you have two daughters or a daughter and son? I have a 19 year old son and, and Reese, my 17 year old daughter. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And what is your 19 year old son doing right now? He's at Northwestern, actually, just finished his freshman year. Living, gotcha. he's loving it. Good for him. Hey, that's well, awesome. Speaking of Northwestern, we are, you talked to that you got your undergrad Northwestern, played basketball yep. there. So your dad's coworker told you oh. to apply to Northwestern and you got in and went there without ever visiting the campus. And it seems like everything's worked out pretty perfectly from there. And you played basketball there and everything fell perfectly into place. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I my um, a lot of people in my high school didn't go to college. And if they did, they didn't leave the state. So it was like... Bowling Green, Miami, Ohio, OU, you know, Wright State, all these schools. And this was actually my dad's foreman whose son had gone to Northwestern. And he said he he knew of me and knew that I was did well in school. And he's like, she should really apply there. I think it'd be a great thing. So sure enough, I came back. I applied to Northwestern. I applied to other places, too, obviously. Um, and uh, I got in. I mean, this... It, was much easier in uh, 1987 than it is for people now. I think it's a little bit harder to get into these schools. I don't know if I could get in now, but um, I ended up going there sight unseen. My parents drove me up there, moved into a dorm and I, I didn't get recruited there to play basketball. And so, you know, I joined a sorority. I was doing all this stuff. I wanted, I was an applied math major and I wanted to do that. And athletes didn't really do that. So I, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I started school. I joined a sorority. I was making my friends, but I was playing club basketball. And my freshman year, they had, I think it was five people that were ineligible to play. Um, two from academic and three were injured. Um, and so they held a tryout. And oh. the club coach said, you should really go try out for that. You should try out. So I went, it was like 200 women, you know, and, and I tried out and I made the team. So I called my parents. I'm like, I just made the Northwestern women's basketball team. They're like, oh, come on. I had never, back then, I'd never lifted a weight. It was <laughs> shocking. So I, I, I'm on the basketball team. I go in the locker room first time. They have the locker there with all your stuff in it and your name on it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is the real deal. And then I went to my first strength workout, and I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I couldn't, like, move for, like, three days. Um, and the other funny thing about it is um, I didn't have a car. And so the two assistant coaches, and I was in this really small math major, applied math major, um, and it was in the south part of campus. And for people that don't know anything about Northwestern, the basketball stadium is like not even on campus. It's like a good bit away. So those two coaches had to pick me up um, every day and drive me to practice. Jesus. They hated me. I mean, <laughs> they hated me. They would say, because I was in a sorority and no one else was, they were like, Pearls, get in the car. Let's go. We're going to be late. <laughs> And so they take me to, but they became very good friends, you know, after I graduated, but um, it was fun. It was a wonderful experience. Like I felt like 
in a way, I got the best of both worlds. And then at the end of my first year, they asked me to stay on and gave me a partial scholarship. So, wow. It was, That's it was awesome. insane. Wow. That's something you had seen in like a Disney Channel original movie. Yeah, exactly. I should make a movie. I've got free time. Um, yeah. And then you'll come back on our podcast and you'll spread the word and talk about how we shared the story first, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a win-win. That's awesome. That is yeah. so cool. And okay, when you sent us your bio so, or kind of like a rundown. So after that, you got recruited to Solomon out of Northwestern. Yeah. So that, oh. yeah, the major oh. was applied math. The investment banks all recruited in that major. Really? So Yeah. Okay. So I wondered, and this is not to age you by any means, but I, you know, when you said Solomon Brothers, like I've, for those non-finance nerds, like I listened to the Liar's Poker audiobook, and that's what my brain goes to. Like for anyone that's listening that doesn't know what Liar's Poker is, it's like the 1980s version of Wall Street. And like, I'm sure it's like glamified and fixed somewhat fictional, but like yep. some of it's probably non-fictional too. Um, and so in my vision, when you said he worked at Solomon Brothers, like in the, what was that, the 90s or the 80s? Yeah, 91 to 93. Yeah. I'm just thinking like all male. Like I am not yeah. seeing male there. So they recruited you though. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I interviewed with a bunch of investment banks. I really like the people at Solomon Brothers. Um, and, uh, you know, they, well, here's the other thing. So Northwestern, it's a little, it's a lot different now, but, um, then there was no, I'd never taken an accounting class. So imagine, like wow. I had never looked at an income statement, a balance sheet, cash flow statement, which for those of you that don't know, that's really important to have that skill yeah. set when you start. Um, experience, yes, I would be a lost cat yeah. right now. <laughs> so they said, we want you to come work for us. We want you to go take, find an accounting class and do it pass fail. So I did that just so I'd have some exposure. Yeah. Um, and I was the only female analyst. I, I was in the Chicago office also, which was a little bit smaller than New York, but I had a great, it just great group of people that I worked with and I loved it. And, um, but I was on the investment banking side, which was a little more, you know, you know, buttoned up kind of thing. And then, but the sales and trading is what Liars Poker is about, sales and trading <laughs> side of the business, specifically the fixed income business. Um, and they were known as like the gunslingers. Like I went up, how I got interested in sales and training is I spent some time over there before I went to business school just to see what it was about. And uh, it was a different world. I mean, screaming, throwing phones, like kicking things. I mean, like that doesn't happen now. And it definitely happened then. You know, <laughs> like it's uh, it was a totally different world. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. And so you did that for two years. You did IB for two years. And then after that, you went to business school. Yeah. So I was debating doing a third year. They offered me to do a third year, but I I kind I was just ready to go to business school and do something different. And again, back then that was kind of the normal pattern. Like now I don't think that's really um thought of as norm the normal way to do it. Um so I applied to uh three schools and uh I got in and I didn't think I'd get into Stanford because I'd only worked for two years and also I just didn't think I'd get in. And I got the letter that I got in. I was like, oh my God. I'm going, that's it. And it was a miserable day in Chicago. It was snowing and raining and winding. And I was like, get me out of here. So, yeah, I went, I didn't know anybody. Uh, I went out for admit day, met some people, uh, actually met uh, some of my best friends there on that weekend and wow. went off again, like not really knowing anybody out there. One of my friends from Salman Brothers, he was in the New York office, but we, we started together. He got off the wait list. So we lived together with three other guys who I did not know. It was very funny. It was a weird wow. experience, but 
It was, I mean, I love Stanford, two of the best years of my life. I just yeah. had a great, great time. And you guys can imagine like being student athletes at a division one school, like business school was, I mean, I had so much free time. <laughs> like, I'm like, oh my God, this is what normal life is like when you go to school. <laughs> and uh, it was weird. I, I filled it with too many things, unfortunately, but, um, but uh, it's amazing the difference between your, your undergraduate experience when you play a sport and like just going to school. Yeah. Well, yeah. sorry, go ahead, man. No, all you. You grew up in Ohio, you go to school in Chicago, and then all of a sudden you just bust it over to California. Was that like culture shock for you? Or, or at that point, you had done all the basketball and all the stuff that you felt good enough to do that? Um, yeah, I think it was. Um, I, I would say this. One of the things that for me is out of the ordinary is I usually don't like to take big risks, meaning like do the unknown although I guess Northwestern was unknown to me in, in Stanford, but um, I, I, um, the other, I got into HBS and a bunch of my friends were going there and I, my best friend actually was going there and, um, and we were going to live together. And then I got into Stanford and I said, I'm going to go to Stanford sight unseen, not, not sight unseen, but without knowing anybody. Um, and that's out of the ordinary for me. Like I was someone that like, wanted to get measured by a grade and do all this stuff. And Stanford at the time, which most business schools are this way now, didn't have grades. So I knew that I would go there and I'd, I'd, I'd take classes, like I'd take classes that were hard for me and new to me, as opposed to doing a route where I'd take everything I already knew how to do. Um, and so it was kind of a leap of faith that I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. I never do anything like this. I'm going to go do it. And it was the best decision I ever made. It was <laughs> awesome. People are great. Just have made great lifelong friends. Uh, I learned a ton and not to mention it's pretty sweet in uh, Northern California. Yeah. And you probably came back like what two shades tanner too, huh? Yeah. I mean, it was people like, why would you leave? And I'm like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I really like the Midwest. It's like, no one likes the Midwest. I'm like, I do. I love it. Denise says the same thing about me. She's like, you really, I always tell her I want her to move up here. And she's like, you're freaking crazy. I'm from Dallas. Like, why would I ever go up there? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is, uh, this summer, global warming's helping. I mean, it's, we have a pretty mild winter. Um, so. Tracy, it's actually, I'm glad we've had this conversation. I, um, I never even considered business school because times have changed and like, yeah. that's not necessarily like something you have to do anymore. Yeah. Um, but the last year or so I have been thinking about business school. So I guess just maybe it's advice for me. Maybe it's for someone listening, but would you recommend business school? So I think you'd ask five people and you'd probably get one person saying, yes, that's me. Mm. And four people saying, I don't know if it's worth investment. Here, here's what I think. If you're going to go, go full-time. Don't do yeah. any part-time programs. It's not worth it. I think it's a great experience. Um, most people go because they want to change careers I obviously stayed in finance, but most people are like, and in hindsight, I probably would have worked a couple more years. It would have made me a little more, um, you know, be able to contribute in certain topics and conversations. But um, I loved it because the networking aspect, just learning from other people, you're taking two years away from working day to day and you really see what's out there and you never have that opportunity, you know, right. and not even interviewing wise. I just mean talking to your classmates and like we had people that were, professional athletes in our class. We have people that were in comedians. We have people that obviously were investment banking, consulting and um, nonprofits. We had doctors who wanted to get into the business side of medicine. Like you just meet all these fascinating people. 
one of the guys in my class co-founded eBay, Jeff Skoll. Like oh. all these really interesting, cool people. And it was a really cool time to be in um, Silicon Valley in that area. It was 93 to 95. And that was kind of when you know, biotech, private equity, VC were really sort of hitting the radar screen. Yeah. Um, so it's really fun. So I, I do recommend it because I think if nothing else, it's a great, it's an expensive networking thing. Right. But, um, but I don't know, you have to kind of bet on yourself. Like I, I did financial aid, obviously, and I'd saved a bunch of money from Solomon Brothers. And, you know, I just had confidence that I was going to be able to make money and pay it back. I wasn't, I didn't, that was the one thing that didn't stop me from doing it. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's good to know because yeah, it is an expensive investment in yourself, but yeah. Uh, the network is kind of priceless though. If you oh, go to amazing. Yeah. You know you're like pretty decently big time when you just name drop the co founder of eBay. Yeah. And yeah, keep exactly. moving well, like nothing happened. Yeah. yeah. Well, See, and yeah, she, I, wish and I would have been the co founder of eBay, but that didn't happen. And yeah. she just subtly said I got into HBS. That's Harvard Business School as well. So yeah. I did hear HBS yeah. and I I didn't know what that meant. Again, yeah. wall. So Yeah. Yeah, we yeah. got the the best and brightest on our podcast, Taylor. Well, I don't know about that, but I did study hard at college. Yeah, absolutely. I've um, not, I've now, after being an applied math major, I don't even think I can add anymore. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> it's not I, good. Yeah, I can't. That's applied math is different. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about Chicago. Um, again, so like to give some background, Tracy, I know we talked about this, but like I tried the New York thing, right? And like, I yep. knew I could get back to the Midwest. Um, and it sounds like your career path kind of was a similar, um, you had a similar sentiment when you were trying to figure out your career. But yep. you, told, you kind of briefed a story that one of your MDs told you, you know, you got to go to New York if you want to do finance. And that was yep. told time and time and time again. How yep. do you feel like being in Chicago shaped your career? And also, I don't know, just talk through the pros and the cons and like, why, why was Chicago kind of your destination for your career? Yeah. I mean, my original, I was a, between my first time year of business school, I was a summer associate with Goldman in New York. And so I got my offer after that summer, but my offer was trading, um, which risk-taking in New York, because all the trading resides in New York for the Americas. And so it was in New York. And I said, I really don't want to live in New York. And so yep. um, I said, I want to live in Chicago. Now, here's the, here's the main difficult thing, which is why I have a huge sense of loyalty to Goldman. Um, I had interviewed through the San Francisco office, worked in New York. I knew no one in the Chicago office at Goldman Sachs, zero people. And, um, and so, but my, who later turned out to be the president of Goldman a, a while ago, John Winkleried said, well, we'll just put you in Chicago then. If that's where you want to be, we want you to come. I mean, it just, it, I don't even know if that stuff happens anymore, but it was a much small, when I started, we were 10,000 people. Wow. Just to give you a sense. Um, and so, so I was forced upon this poor, you know, person who ran the Chicago office that I was coming out to work for them. And they had had summer interns from like Kellogg and UFC. And so in comes me. I don't know anybody. Um, but I just really wanted to be in Chicago. And at the time, this, this guy told me that, um, you know, I would start in New York. I wouldn't start in Chicago. I said, well, I, I'm not going to be happy in New York, right? I'm just not going to be happy. So, so right. I went to Chicago. I worked. And then... Maddie, as you said, I had this partner who was like a mentor to me, or actually more than that, a sponsor for me. And he said, Tracy, you're never going to make MD. You're never going to make a uh, partner for sure in Chicago. You have to come to New York. And I, so he was great. And he kept 
saying, well, here's a job for you. It was basically doing the same thing I was doing in Chicago, but with bigger clients out in New York. And I was like, why would I move to do that? Um, and this happened three or four times. And then finally he came to me literally like a month after I just gotten married. And he said, okay, this is it. This is the last time I'm going to throw something in front of you. Then I'm done with you basically. And so it was a really interesting job that was totally different. Um, same thing I was forced upon this group. They were interviewing people for this job, which I won't get into because it's not easy. There's no layman way to explain it, but, um, yeah. it was more of a trading job and a structuring job. And, uh, and so I go to New York, I meet my, my new boss and all, I knew one, I knew a couple of folks in the group just from being at Goldman. And, um, so I go there, I meet my new boss. He was like, who's this woman from Chicago that now works for me? And, uh, he became my most favorite boss at Goldman Sachs. We became, wow. he was just such an amazing guy. Same background as us, grew up in Alabama, hmm. went to University of Chicago, brilliant guy. Um, and we had so much fun and I was doing, but my husband was here and I was there. And so we were commuting every weekend. And I thought to myself, you know what? I'm gonna make myself a better person. I'm gonna like read history books. I'm gonna learn a new language. It's gonna be great. I sat at LaGuardia and drank beer and ate nachos every Friday, depressed. I was like, what am I doing this for? I'm, I'm, I'm getting worse. I'm making myself worse. <laughs> and so after like nine months, I went into this partner's office and I said, hey, I, I can't do this anymore. I, I can't commute. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. It's been nine months. I'm like, I just can't do it. Oh, the other thing was I was, I just was married and had a bunch of friends in New York. So I was going out every night because I had nothing to, you know, I'd work till like eight or nine. Then I'd go out to dinner with my friends. I'm like, what am I doing? I'm too old yeah. for this. Um, <laughs> and um, so anyway, so I, I went into him. He started to, un he told people I had to go back, but they had hired someone to replace me. So this is a better lucky than smart thing. They'd hired someone to replace me. So I didn't have a job to wow. go back to. Um, and so I went, I went, I interviewed with different parts of Goldman. And finally they called me and said, hey, we want to keep you in, if I was in thick, fixed income at the time. They want to keep you in this business. So we're going to create a job for you. So I created this job. It's, again, this is going to be really boring, but marketing credit derivatives to default swaps to people. That's crazy. Um, which wasn't really a job. So I won't. But uh, anyway, this is the better lucky than short. If I'd never gone to New York, I wouldn't have met all these other people and these other businesses. So it was kind of lucky. And then when I came back and did this job, all of a sudden I was one of the few people that knew about derivative products and all these things. So they let me cover hedge funds, which were big clients at the time. They do a lot of business. Z's like, what are you talking about? Um, they do a lot of business. And, um, and uh, so I literally, had I never gone to New York, I would never have gotten this opportunity with all these really, really important clients to the firm and big clients. And so it was one of those things. And then I made MD the next two years after that. And then I made partner in 2010. And wow. so it was, I almost like, I had a chip on my shoulder, like I am going to do this in Chicago. Right. What does MD stand for? Say again? MD, what does that stand for? Oh, managing director is MD and PMD is partner managing director. Gotcha. But, um, but yeah, so like I kind of had a little bit of the chip on my shoulder when I went back that I'm going to prove them wrong, that you can get promoted in, in Chicago. Right. Wow. Wow. So I mean, that's inspiring to me. Obviously, you you know, I don't have any plans going out in New York, but it sounds like your nine month stint kind of sets you up for success in a ways yeah. that you probably couldn't have drawn up yourself. So, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure.
I, there's so many, that's the hardest part with finance is like all the lingo. There's just so many, ter- so much terminology that yeah. like get past the terminology. It's, it's not rocket science, but it's no. just part of it. No. <laughs> and I always annoys me that people can't say normal things. Like I want to buy that. I want to sell that. There's always yeah. a special word for it. I'm like, it's just buying and selling. That's sure, all we're doing. I, exactly. Exactly. But like MDZ is like, they're, 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 they're everyone's bosses. So that's, they're the managers of like certain groups and divisions and things like that. So that's awesome, Tracy. Gotcha. Cool. Yeah. Well, getting back to like something that I kind of know about, um, Tracy, <laughs> you obviously played basketball at Northwestern, didn't really have plans to do that beyond the club level, but now there's probably so many parallels where you're like thankful that that's something that you did kind of similar to you going to New York. What do you take now from you as an athlete that you use in your job now? I mean, I, I think it, I, I have a very conscious bias that I'd like to hire college athletes. Um, <laughs> but listen, I think, I think being on a team and playing at that level, um, you know, you, you have discipline. Um, you, have a, a, you have the ability to juggle a bunch of things at once. Um, you, you have time management skills that a lot of, you know, people, I wouldn't, don't think I would have developed without playing at that level. Um, unless you just have grit, right? Like you're going to lose, you're going to lose games. You're going to make bad plays. You're going to make mistakes. And like, those are real learning experiences that I, I don't think I would have had just going to college and not being an athlete. Um, and you know, it also like, it, it did teach me that like you want to do as well as you can, but it really is about the team at the end of the day. And, and that's a lot of, lot about what work is like, you know, it's, it's really, you really have to work together in any job, not just finance, but any job, you know, broadcasting or whatever it might be like, you know, you're going to be surrounded by, but you want to be the best that you can be, but at the same time, there's a bigger goal. And I don't know that I would have had that so instilled in me without sports. Um, And just also, the, the, the silly things like I'm used to, you know, as we all were, you're used to getting up at like five in the morning sometimes to do a workout. Like, so getting to work, isn't that, you know, I'm just used to that. I'm not, you know, I, because basketball obviously is a winter sport. We didn't go home for, I mean, we went home on Christmas day, but like you didn't, you played in a tournament over Christmas. Like, I just, it just builds like this discipline and this idea that like, it's more than just about me. It's about the team. It's about being there. It's about supporting each other. Uh, and I think that, that, you know, in any work uh, environment, that's huge to have and just be instilled in you. It's a natural thing. I mean, we hire, it's, we hire a lot of athletes and a lot of people that came out of the military, actually, mm. because they also have that same sort of discipline and, and, and can juggle a lot of things. And, you know, you're also, you know, you're going to have people that you work with and or that you are your clients that you probably wouldn't be friends with them if you didn't have to be. (laughs) And so you also, you know, like in a team, there might be someone you don't potentially gel with, but you got to, you got to figure out a way to relate and work together and super important to be successful in business. Yeah. And real quick, Maddie, I was also thinking um, like how male dominated finances and when we're in college athletics, it's still as far as women have come still super controlled by men and, that's where all the attention is. I'm sure it was 10 times worse when you were in school. How does that translate you having to work harder than men do in your field? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny because I noticed it less when I started, even though it was worse then. And more as I got more and more senior, you really Really? see it at the top levels. Um, You know, it was funny. I, I, when I started, 
I thought of it as a uh, a plus. I was different than most everybody else. I also I like people. I like to be funny. I like to drink beer, and I love sports. Right? I was like a sort of the the what you generically would call a man. I was like that person, <laughs> um, and and so I had. And not all men like that stuff and, and not, not all women, but I happened at that time, that was what I enjoyed doing. Right. You know, I'd love to go for a run. I mean, I don't love golf, but I'll go play golf. I love to joke around. I love to make fun of people. It's gotten a little more PC since when I started, <laughs> but you know, that was just who I was. That was my personality. And I also stood out because I was a woman. Right. Um, and so for me, I think in the beginning, it was probably more helpful than not. Um, but as you, I think, and this is still the case, and you alluded to it, Z, but like the numbers for all the effort being put in, they haven't gotten that much better at any firms, finance firms. And, and I'm probably in general in tech, it's probably the same. I read this great, I read the Ginny Romani's uh, book, which um, you should read, Good Power, but talking about her, she was the CEO of IBM and oh. she was in the tech industry when there were no women. And she's probably I don't know, six, she's older than, she's like probably five to 10 years older than I am. And so it's a pretty interesting read, but, but I would say as like you get higher and higher up, um, you do see there's a little more of a ceiling, I think. And, and, that, and I don't think some of this is intentional. It's just, you know, at the top, it's a lot of people have been working together forever and they happen to many times be men, many mm -hmm. times be white men. Um, but, you know, I think it's just going to continue to get um, but when I started, I thought of it as an advantage, actually. I thought, well, people don't, there's not many of me. So when they say Tracy, that, that you know, there's not another Tracy at Goldman Sachs. Like, right. it was um, it was kind of a benefit to stand out. And I still think you can use it as a benefit to stand out. And certainly um, being an athlete as a female is another, you know, positive that makes you stand out from other people. For sure. Absolutely, Tracy. I think Z and I both see that in our field, it's like, you just have to take advantage of, of things that you have in, in your corner. And those are things that we, we can, we can talk to. And like, we don't even need to talk to because people, that's just who we are too. So, right. um, yeah. Yeah, great point. Um, I was going to say something about that. I don't remember. I don't yeah. yeah. But no, I, I think, it, I think like being a female athlete is a huge advantage in the workplace for sure. Absolutely. And you're just used to like, you know, and I don't, this is really generic, but just things don't ruffle your feathers the same way they might ruffle somebody else's, right? I'm just like, I've got a little thicker skin than maybe I would have had I not played sports, you know? Yeah. I remembered what I was going to say, so that's good. Um, I think you were talking about at the top, like how it's still like pretty male heavy. Um, and that's not just for finance. That's yeah. yeah. And that's in, just in the world. And I think yep. a lot of that comes from um, like the years where we have to have kids, you know, and not right. that we have to, but if that's a right. choice make and i know z and i like that's like a goal we both want is to have children yeah. someday um so like to get more on your personal life like how was it for you to juggle that having two kids running you know billions of billions of dollars um at one of the best companies in the world how did how did you juggle that so it's funny and i i've talked a lot about this at goldman with with uh young women starting out i think i'll tell you how i juggle it and i think it's harder so i got married at 30 I had kids at 35 and 38. So oh, wow. the difference is I, I I think I had a little bit easier because I was established in my career, right? Like I think like I had a reputation, people knew my work. So I think it was easier for me than it's easier when you have it in the beginning of your careers. 
because there's never going to be the perfect time, right? That's just, I didn't get married till I was 30. And of course, my kids can't hear this, but I didn't want kids, by the way. My husband's <laughs> like, wait a minute, we talked about this. I'm like, we did? I don't remember that. Um, but in my husband also, um, when I had my son, decided to leave what he was doing um, and because he wanted to be at home with his, with his kids. So like most people don't have that. And then he started his own firm. So then he worked, he has his own private equity firm. And so, you know, Goldman tells me, get on a plane and go to Canada or be in New York or be in London or whatever. I do it. And, and so Ed's was schedule was much more flexible. So yeah. I'll say that mine was a little bit, I mean, it's, it's never easy. Um, I also say this, like when I was single, I thought my, I couldn't balance everything because I wanted to go out and I wanted to do all this. I wanted to exercise. And then I got a dog. And I'm like, oh my God, now I've got to walk the dog. You know, it's always something that's like, you can't balance. Um, <laughs> But I, I was fortunate in the sense that I was established in my career. So I think it's it's much harder when you're, you know, let's say you, you get married at 25, 26, 27, and you know, you're starting a new job. And so I think I think it's just tough. And and I would say what I've said to people is like, you just first of all, I think the world is more accepting of that, both men and women spending more time with their families, particularly that's one of the best things that happened out of COVID, right? Like have you if you aren't in the office, people don't assume you're smoking cigarettes and eating sandwiches, right? They assume you're working, yeah. right? And and yeah. that used to be the case. They're like, well, they must be drunk. I don't know why I'm why, why here. Um, but now I think people assume you're actually working from home. Um, so I think that's better. Um, but I think it's hard. I think you just have to prioritize and the priorities will be different. You know, the priority today is I need to do this with my kids and I have to make sure this is all taken care of. And and some days the priority may be, I really want to, I need to do this trip to Hong Kong or wherever you're going to go. And like, I just got to figure it out and, and you will. And, and, you know, it's, you know, I have plenty of friends at Goldman Sachs who were single moms. They got divorced. I mean, that's, you just, you will figure it out, but it's not easy. Um, um, and it's just, and I have, I have guy friends who are single dads who have the primary custody. Kids. I mean, it's hard to do it. Mine was relatively easy because I did, um, start in my mid thirties, mid to late thirties. Yeah. So, but as a young person, I think you really have to, um, just figure out your priorities and know that you're going to sacrifice some things in the beginning. But like, you know, now my, you know, a lot of my friends, my age, their kids are out of college and I'm like, I've got, you know, yeah. fresh <laughs> and a junior in high school. Right. So. Right. I talked to one lady about this one time and she gave me like really good advice. She said, um, don't don't even worry about it until you have a baby in your stomach because like there's not right. gonna be a good time and you yeah. know you never know what will happen so yeah um and and this is some i didn't want kids and i can't imagine my life without them right it's really fun and you'll yeah. figure it out you will you will you really will figure it out like it's Absolutely. people can do it like we've done harder things and uh you'll figure it out yeah, we can do hard things. Yeah. Um, well, thank you. I think another thing that we wanted to touch on um, before we start wrapping up is the number of organizations you're involved in in Chicago. I started to write them down and I was like, you know, I think I'm just going to have her rattle them off. So um, yeah. I would just love to hear Oh, for our audience. Tracy retired seven months ago. Yep. Um, and you are serving as like a your advisory director? Is advisory right? director, yeah. Awesome. So yeah, just touch on like what retirement looks like. I know you keep mentioning your, like you're bored and that you've got so much time on your hands. So how have you been filling your time? Well, I, um, you know, it's one of those things where I think we all tell ourselves there's not enough time in the day. And now, and now let me tell you, the day is really long. Um, <laughs> 
So I, you know, I usually get up, I work out, I do some Zooms and some, some talk to, you know, I'm still working with Goldman a little bit on some things, but I've been really trying to, I, and I think I mentioned this to you, Maddie, but see, I'm, I'm looking at the sports industry as an advisor and investor. Certainly women's sports is big. The, you know, WNBA, just the sky got a whole new, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's really fascinating. So I've been spending a lot of time and I know very little about media rights and sponsorships and all, how all that works. So I've been trying to educate myself on that. Um, so I've been spending a lot of time talking that I've talked to some people about doing some public company boards, mm. but then, and, and I'm taking tennis lessons and I'm <laughs> awesome. playing more golf, but, um, but still that then, then we're like at one o'clock in the afternoon. So, um, so I'm definitely going to find something I think sports related or advisory related. Um, you know, I felt like, you know, one sacrifice I did make is I missed a lot of, of course, my son's a freshman now, but I missed a lot of stuff. So my daughter's going to be a senior next year. So I plan to, despite the fact that she doesn't talk to me, I plan to like go to all her stuff and um, and be around. Um, but I'll definitely do something because I'm realizing that I'm not great without a schedule. Like mm-hmm. I need to have you know, you know something to get me you know get me up and get me going and get my mind working and things like that. So I'll I'll find something. I'm in no rush right now. Seven months later, um, but I will definitely. I my guess is by this time next year I'll have an advisory role or doing something. Hopefully in the sports space. Sports awesome. Industry. That's so cool. If it makes you feel better, my sister's 16, and um, yeah, she doesn't talk to my parents much either. So okay, good. So it might be just that thing. Yeah. Yeah. Z, yeah. we've right. Yeah. What'd you say? I said we've been there and not not being very nice to our parents at 16. Yeah. 17. I don't know. I was pretty, I've always been pretty nice. You're so stupid. <laughs> you have been. He's like the yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. I know. Um, yes, sir. No, sir. Like mom, mommy, like, what do you need me to do? Like she's the, <laughs> yeah. you're the poster child. No, I'm not. I'm not. I, was I don't have that in my house. In fact, um, she's actually going to, she's going to play lacrosse at Johns Hopkins. So she committed oh. to do that. Oh. So we'll, we'll be, we'll be going to see her. Hopefully I'll get to see her play a fair amount, but like, this is a perfect example. She decided not to do a fall sport um, at her high school. So she plays basketball and lacrosse at her high school. Um, And so we were playing this family trip because my son has an internship. And so he's finished in July. She finishes her travel lacrosse in July. And we were going to go to Spain to do a a biking trip, back back roads trips, which road biking trips. And uh, she decided a couple months ago, she was going to play golf. She's never played 18 holes. Never. And, but they need another girl. She's a, she's a good athlete, but I'm like, Reese, that's not how that translates. Golf and <laughs> nope. being a good lacrosse player, that's not, and a basketball player, that's not the same thing. Like, no. Nope. Have you, so, so now she's blowing off our family vacation <laughs> to, cause she wants to do preseason golf. I'm like, good for oh her. Good yeah. For her, though. I give her, I give her props. Golf, like, Z, we took you golfing for your first time. When was oh. that? that- was not my first time. Um, are you sure? No, but I'm not- so positive. About- what besides top, go- besides top golf? No, it was not my first time. Okay, all right, but it's not, not like an easy to take credit for. Yeah, yeah. I, but I tell you, like I, I mean, it, you probably think I play a lot of golf because I'm playing tomorrow. I'm playing for a, a charity event tomorrow, but um, I hate it. I hate it because you hit one great shot and you're like, oh, this is great. And then, you know, then it takes you another, like, 15 shots to get to the green. I mean, I'm like, yeah. I hate it. And then he takes what you, like, four hole. putts to actually get in the hole, and you're like, all right. Yes. 
really humbling. Yeah. It's the worst. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, so this should be interesting. I feel like a lot of like, sorry, no offense, like a lot of like older rich people either play golf or tennis. Yes. Hopefully I'm get old and rich one day and hopefully yes. golf will not be that. I, I will play yeah. tennis 10 times over before I ever talk, touch a golf yeah. club. Well, I'm taking <laughs> tennis lessons and I, I, my son played a lot of tennis and I have a whole new, do you play Z? I have a whole new respect for how hard tennis is. It's so hard. And I consider yes. myself like decently athletic and I, yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's it's hard. I'm learning all kinds of things that I didn't know. And I'm also learning I'm really out of shape. But um <laughs> but yeah, it's fun. And then the other thing, Maddie, you mentioned I do a lot of nonprofit stuff. So yeah. and so who do you for Tracy for the nonprofit stuff? I'd love to hear that. So this organization you guys will love. It's called Team Impact. I'm on the national board for that. Uh it's based it's based out of Boston, um, but they have regional chapters, but I'm on the national board and they basically take kids with chronic illnesses, whether it's cancer, cystic fibrosis, lupus, um, all kinds of things. And they pair them with an NCAA team for two years. Wow. Oh, so you have so a signing cool. day. You guys should Google it. It's awesome. Team Impact. I know exactly. I, there was a little girl that did this for Oregon's volleyball team. Oh yeah. The Ducks, the Mighty Ducks. Yes. Have you yeah. seen that video? Yes, I have. I know. I yes. Cry every time I watch it, I've seen like 18 times. Wow. That's so cool. <laughs> Yeah. So that's one. And I'm the treasurer for them um, also. And I love that. And then I'm part of an organization called Positive Coaching Alliance, which was started out of Stanford. And it's a little harder to get your your arms around what it does. But essentially, it tries to instill in coaches and, and parents, you know, the how to be more positive. And, you know, th- and we do a lot of press and media and content around bad behavior by parents and coaches and mm-hmm. some things like that. Um, That's really cool. That's needed. The national board is amazing. It's like Julie Foudy and all these Mia, Han- all these people and Phil oh. Jackson. Um, so that's kind of cool. And then I'm on, uh, I'm on the U S Olympic and Paralympic foundation committee and in their finance area, which is super fun. Um, and just, you know, learning about how that organization runs. And then there's lots of benefits that go with it. Like we're going to Paris and we'll go to LA and, and uh, it's just really, it's, I, it's, it's awesome. So, um, and then I'm on this nonprofit, which is really not my passion. All those are sports related, obviously. And then I'm on this organization called Uniting Voices Chicago, which is oh, the choir. I just did a story on this for my internship. Did you really? Yes. Chicago Children's Choir yes. is it used to be. Josephine wow. Lee is awesome. You're yes. kidding. Oh my goodness. Did you interview her? Did you talk to Josephine Lee? No, I did not talk to Josephine Lee. One of the guys that used to be in the Chicago branch brought is starting his own branch in Lexington and it's like Lexington United Voices. And he was like yeah. so passionate about it. It was so cool. It's a great organization. It's just I'm not I don't have any singing talents or anything, but I love the organization and what they do. It's an awesome organization. And by That's the way, so these cool. kids are, I mean, they have the, each of the public schools and neighborhoods have choirs. Uh, and it's not necessarily, I mean, there's a mix of all, um, you know, income levels and associated stuff, but a lot of it is Chicago city schools and neighborhoods. And then they have the voice of Chicago, which are the really good singers that rise up from these other, uh, these other neighborhood choirs. They sang on Saturday Night Live. They've sung with Chance the Rapper. They did Obama's <laughs> inauguration. These what? kids are amazing. I used the clip from the Chance the Rapper performance on yes. my package. Yeah. That's so funny. It's That's amazing. Cool. So so that one, and then I do, I'm on the board of the Lincoln Park Zoo, which is 
It's a great zoo. It's in the city of Chicago and it's free. It's one of, I think, two free zoos in the whole country. And I'm um, the chair of the finance committee for that. But I spent a lot of time with that one, too, because it's I love the zoo and I love conservation. I love all the stuff they're doing. So that's awesome. That is yeah. so cool. Um, Z's little brother, Chance, ironically, his name's Chance, is like the biggest zoo fan ever. Right, Z? <laughs> like he has gone. They've taken him to the zoos across the country. So he'll have to hit the Lincoln Park. Yeah. Zoo. If yeah. you come this way, Z, let me know. I'll get a behind the scenes thing. It's a it's an amazing zoo. That's right. free. I definitely will. It's free. Tracy, that's so cool. It doesn't sound like you uh, are too bored. I feel like you you've got no. going on still. Yeah, there's a few things. There's a few things I'm doing, so it's good. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Tracy, be, one more question before I ask the final question for everyone that will be watching this. What is the background? Like, what is your background? Like, it's Michael Jordan, obviously. Oh, Minecraft like stuff. Yeah, there's just I just I'm curious. It's, like, it's street art. Look at that. That's so cool. I was I was curious, and I figured everyone else would be so. Yeah, it's it's a really cool thing. We um we actually got it recently. So it's uh I don't even know who the artist is, but it's like kind of just street art. That's cool. <laughs> that is cool. Like, yeah, it's very cool. All right, Tracy, the big final question. What is one piece of advice you would give to all of the winning women listening right now? One best piece. Oh. I I I try to live by this. Um and I think it's been invaluable for me. But if you're too big for the little stuff, you're always going to be too little for the big stuff when it comes. Mm-hmm. So if you're not willing to put in the work and do the do the hard stuff, um, little stuff, then you're never going to be ready when the big stuff comes around. So you got to do the work. That's good. Mic drop. Yeah, there it is. That's what we needed. That's that's a good way to start our week, I think, too. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Hey- Tracy, we appreciate it. This has been well, awesome. This is great. Z, great to meet you. Maddie, yes. good to, to see you. And, Absolutely. And, uh, yeah, let's stay in touch. Please, please keep us posted. If, um, you know, any of those organizations, like, need a, we're, we're, we would love to be a part of any um, anything cool like that. So you just keep us in mind. Yeah. Well, check out Team Impact. Maybe we'll get uh, our um, executive director on because he, he's, he's fantastic. And what they're doing is so related to kind of, you know, not just women's sports, but sports in general, helping student athletes know there's more than just their sport and they get really close to these kids and it changes these kids' lives. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. That is awesome. Love it. That's awesome. Well, thank you, awesome. Tracy. Thank you All so right. much. Thank you,